Okay, so this week I'm going to create a video to explain soft proofing for print in Capture One Pro. In response to a question from Chris Moore, I'd been meaning to do a video on soft proofing for a while, so thanks for the question, Chris. First of all, I want to explain the reasons why it's always best to use the biggest color space available. So let's jump in. We're in ColorThink Pro. We're going to show you, first of all, this is sRGB, now, relatively respectable, but uh, relatively small color space. And this is what's generally used for um, JPEGs for the web, for example. sRGB is, is a, a common color space for the web. That's changing gradually, but still the, the, uh, the, the most uh, standard color space for the web. Now, a larger color space is Adobe RGB. And you'll see here that this is, this is much bigger. And this, when you have your images mapped into this, they will um, obviously be able, you'll have more wiggle room when you're editing your images. Now, some people say that it's better to work in these um, relatively small color spaces because our displays can't um, currently you know, represent or reproduce the, the any more colors than this. I'll go on to that in a moment, but the problem with using even Adobe RGB as your working color space is that our cameras, this is my uh, Canon EOS 5DSR color space. So look at this, look at the way, what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove, let's forget about sRGB for a while. And if we look at the wireframe Adobe RGB and how, let me just turn my, turn the, my one from the um, 5DSR down a little bit. You see that there are areas here where my 5DSR comes completely out of Adobe RGB. If we look down here, all of this area, let's just move it across just a little bit. So all of this area here, all of these greens and yellows, my camera can can operate and can capture and, and work with much more colors than even Adobe RGB allows us to manipulate. So this is all of this, you know, a large area on the blues and down to the purples. And if we look at the top, there, there's a little bit sticking out here. Again, all, all of this. So we need to keep in mind that our cameras are generally capturing more colors than, than the Adobe RGB color space. So just because you can't print or you can't display these colors on your monitor, there's absolutely no reason to throw them away. What I always suggest is for people, whenever, it, whenever possible, use Profoto RGB. And the reason for that is this. That's Profoto RGB. It's pretty much all-encompassing. There are actually a few areas where my cameras, you see here, the, the 5DS is actually capturing some blues that are outside, but this is still the biggest and the best um, color space that we can use at the moment. So I would recommend always using Profoto RGB when possible. Now, of course, yes, there are limitations. Whenever you go from one media or device to another, 
there's always going to be limitations. And that's why we use IC pro, ICC profiles to translate between what one device can, can reproduce and what, you know, what's in our original images and what each device that we want to output our images to can actually reproduce. And that goes for the display, for our printers and all sorts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show here, here is this image, right? We've got, if I show you this, this is an image from Iceland in 2016. And there's a lot of lush greens down here, lime greens and yellow greens. And these are pretty, you know, they're, they're difficult to fit inside the smaller color spaces. And these dots that you see in the middle here now, I'm going to remove Profoto for now. And what you can see is that within my camera, you know, my camera can capture and hold. These dots here are all of the colors that are in that photograph. You can see that they're all obviously within the capabilities of my camera. But if we remove that, if we turn off the camera color space, you can see that there are a certain amount of of colors even within that uh, colors even with that my camera's captured that are outside of adobe rgb so if we start to limit this to a smaller color space then these are going to get remapped they're not necessarily going to get thrown away but they will be when we when we use them they're going to get remapped to a different color within this color space now the, the next thing, and one of the big reasons why some people say, yeah, well, you should just use a smaller color space, is because, of course, when you print, we've got even less. If we turn on, this is a matte paper. Um, again, I'm going to turn off Adobe RGB just to show you this. This is a matte, some matte media, and I think I'll also just make it a little bit transparent so that we can... So you see where the, the dots of this image from Iceland fit? They're fine all over most of the place, except for when we get down here to the, the greens. And all of these yellowy greens are way outside of the, this is a matte media from Breathing Color. This is one of their better matte media, um, but still just the, you know, the way matte is, it's, it's not as got as wide a gamut as gloss papers. And if I show you this, this is one of their gloss papers, you'll see that we actually get a much wider amount of colors that are available in a gloss paper. But still, there are some image, some of the, the colors in my photograph that can't be easily reproduced on that paper. Now, we're going to go on. I mean, th this is what the point of today is to show you what to do about this, how to find out if you've, you've got this sort of a problem and also how to fix it or how not to worry about it. And we'll go on to that in a moment. Um, the other argument that I often hear about using um, smaller color spaces is because our displays can't show you the, as many colors as, say, Profoto and some of the larger color spaces. This is true. So let me just show you. Get rid of these for now. We'll leave, uh, we'll leave that on. So this is my iMac display. And again, I'm going to just turn it down, turn down the, uh, make it a little bit uh, transparent. And you'll see that even my iMac display cannot 
display all, all of these colors. There are some of the yellows that are not visible on my display. And if we look here, I've got a second monitor. I'm recording this on my iMac, but I've also got a BenQ Adobe RGB monitor on the other side. And this, well, let's make this a wireframe. So the BenQ display, you can see that this is all, this is pretty much the same. Let me show you the Adobe RGB. So there's Adobe RGB. Um, and if we turn that down a little bit, you'll see that my display is very, very close to Adobe RGB, the, the BenQ display. So I can actually, even just with my two displays, see images differently on each of them. And I, I thought about recording this on a video, but it's all going to depend on what colors you can see are going to depend on your display as well. And so I didn't want to confuse things. I think this representation here is enough. But you can see that there are a lot of areas where I cannot see any of these colors on my IMAX screen, but I could on my BenQ display. And the image itself looks a lot better on my BenQ display. So, you know, up here, these greens down here actually look a lot lusher and much more alive on the BenQ display than they do on this iMac display. And they're all going to look different again on your display. So it's, it's very all relative. So the thing is, of course, even on both displays, there are still colors that are outside of that. So what do we do? The options are to cram everything down and use Adobe RGB or heaven forbid, keep your images inside sRGB. But that is, it's totally counterintuitive. What, what you're actually doing by doing that is you are throwing away information. Remember, the image is actually captured with this much Im image color information. So the moment you try to use a smaller color space, you're throwing that away. Now, the, um, the other thing, of course, is that if you're editing, um, as I've mentioned, if you're editing, whenever there's a choice, you're better off just turning on ProPhoto because then pretty much all of it fits inside that. There's no reason to limit your editing software to a smaller color space. The only time you need to edit, you need to limit that is when you're outputting it to, uh, say, for web or to the printer. But the more, the more color information you maintain in your base images, the better chance you have of being able to remap that to a smaller color space. And there's really just no reason to shrink it down and keep it in a smaller color space to begin with. And what we're going to do is, I'll just minimize it in case we need to come back. So in Capture One, I've uh, got the image here. I'm going to actually show you a different image because I want to show you a couple of things. Uh, let's just, let's switch over. It's probably going to be easier to see this. So how do we do the soft proofing in Capture One. In Lightroom, it's really easy and you actually get gamut warnings and that makes it better in some ways. The, the one shortcoming of Capture One is that you don't get gamut warnings and gamut warnings will show you in a moment in Photoshop, but gamut warnings are what, what they're showing you is, I'm glad I kept this, so we're going to go straight back in here. What, what it's doing is it's going to show you, let's remove that, that, and that. 
and paper. So a gamut warning is basically you select the paper, the profile for your printer and your um, media, and then the gamut warning will say all of these colors here are not within gamut. They're not inside this printer profile. So the printer cannot actually print these as they are in the image. And Lightroom has that a pretty good way of showing you that. Unfortunately, phase one does not, um, but it doesn't mean that it's totally useless. So what happens is there, there are two ways to, um, to soft proof in Capture One from Capture One Pro 10. In nine, there was only the one way. It was either on or off, and it was, let me show you. <laughs> so if we go to view and then go down to proof profile, then down here, right now, I've got no profile. In Capture One Pro 9, what you would do is you would always have the selected recipe would always be in like a soft proof mode. And what I'm going to do here is, um, at the moment, I've got a, a TIFF. These recipes are basically what you use to output, but also you can use these as a soft proofing method. So right now I've got Profoto on there. On the screen, you won't really see a difference between Adobe RGB and sRGB. Um, but if we go and select a printer profile, so say, for example, going back to Cigna Smooth, you see how the image just went in, went pale. That's basically showing you this image in Cigna Smooth, and that's with a, a, a Silverado canvas. Again, you'll see that a gloss is much better than a matte paper. But this is when you have the selected profile always showing you what the image will look like. And that will, that's regardless of where you are in Capture One. You can be editing color. You can be doing pretty much anything in Capture One. And if you use that option, the selected, um, so here we have the ICC profile, the selected profile for the selected process recipe is always going to be displayed here. Now from Capture One 10, this is a nice improvement actually. What we can do is if we go down to proof profile, I just select now no profile. And then, regardless of what you have selected, you're going to see the image in its widest, you know, in, in all its glory, basically, with using its, um, its base profile. And at the moment, my images are being displayed with my camera profile. And that profile that I showed you earlier is from Capture One. And it's basically, they've, they've created a profile for each camera that they support and so this is showing you it in pretty much the native colors from the camera. Um, but now there's these spectacles up here. And this is a show, show recipe proofing option. And when I turn that on, you get now the, uh, it shows you the proofing. So this is basically turning it on and off. And if you use the P, uh, <laughs> there's, if, you, if you actually type this while you've still got the recipe, selected it jumps to the next one so you have to deselect it i generally just click on the thumbnail here and if you press the p on the keyboard it will go into and out of proofing mode and that again is depending on which of these profiles that which icc profile is selected in your process recipe so if i go to gloss and hit the p just hit the 
press the thumbnail again, hit the P. Now it'll show you proofing for the gloss media as opposed to, so I'm, I'm just keeping hitting that. You can see that it's this a very slight change. And the same goes for you know, any of these. Whenever you've got a, um, a printer profile, so go up to say Bagasse Smooth, uh, we've got an ICC profile selected here. Um, I, I created all of these, by the way. When you want to do this, you just install the ICC profile into your system and then you press this plus button here and just give it a name and select your options. And one of them is the ICC profile. And you can see here that uh, th these are all profiles that are on my system. So my old large format printer and my new large format printer, the Pro 4000, these are all in here as well as a whole bunch of others. Um, and so just once again, we'll, we uh, hit the hit the P for uh, P for proofing. I'm not sure if I set that up myself. I think it's the, I think it's a common um, shortcut, but hit P uh, or hit this, the, the spectacles up here to turn on the soft proofing mode. Now that shows you what the image will look like when it's printed to this specific media. But what can you do about that? How can you actually use this information to adjust the image if necessary? So I'll tell you what, I, I really like the Cigna Smooth paper, so it, it doesn't really change very much, but select that. And your options are really, um, there's a few things that you can do, but when you're in Capture One Pro, you can't, really tell whether it's in gamut or not. So the first thing you need to do is to look at the two and then see what's different. And you can see that these darker greens here get a little bit muddy when I am uh, when I have the profing displayed. So the the lighter greens here don't change very much, but the darker greens get a little bit muddy when I'm in the proofing mode. So what our options are is to basically, we've got to stop those from going muddy. Now, leaving this view on, what we could do is go over to the color uh, or maybe even just go here and try increasing the saturation. Um, the problem with doing that is that it's going to increase the saturation across the image. Um, you, could, you could decrease or increase depending on which way you want to go. But you see, it's also making, if I increase, it's making the monkey's face redder. It's making the okay greens a little bit too bright. So I'm going to put that back to where it was. And the other option, what I would probably do if I was going to try to do this in Capture One Pro is I would go to the color editor, hit the advanced tab, and then use the, the color picker to actually pick these darker greens and then you could probably increase or decrease the saturation of just those greens and try to recover it you know sometimes if you if you make the um saturation brighter as it drops down it sort of it still finds a nice a nice place in the print um but that's that's very much doing it like this is very much hit and miss because you still can't tell whether that's in um, whether that has actually you know, brought you in gamut or not, because there's no gamut warning. So what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
just hit the control Z to get out of that. I don't actually want to do that. And in fact, I'm just going to remove that. Um, what we're going to do is, you know, these are options if you want to try and do it in Capture One. Um, the other way to do it is, uh, oh yeah, I should have mentioned as well. If you are going to make any changes for print, then before you do that, you want to create a clone variant and work on a clone variant and not your original um, raw file. Because if you do that, then obviously you you don't need a print as a one-off or you know, you, you can keep that as a print proof or a print copy, but you don't need to have your original images changed to, you know, to be adjusted for a specific um, output method. You, you really want to keep those as your originals and work on a copy. So what I'm going to do, though, is let's take this into Photoshop. I think I'm going to edit with and... Use a TIFF, 16-bit, uncompressed. ICC Profile Pro Photo, leave it in that biggest wiggle room. And then we're going to edit a variant in Photoshop. It'll take a moment to what it's doing. It's on a different screen. So it was just opening, creating a copy of the image. And if you see down here, it's actually created a TIFF for us that it's going to throw into Photoshop. Okay, so here's the image now in Photoshop. Let's uh, let's make this bigger so that we don't get confused with what's in the background. And fill the screen. So in Photoshop, your soft proofing is under View and then Proof Setup. And if we hit the Custom, what we can do is in here, we can select the device to simulate. And again, I'm going to use Signa Smooth because I love printing to matte media, but it is one of the most the more difficult medias to print to because of the smaller color space or the you know the, the smaller gamut. Now, in here, um, you can actually just go right ahead and hit the preview button. Um, but also there's a couple of options to note. If you turn on simulate paper color. This is actually showing you the information from the ICC profile about the paper. And I find that this is a little bit harsher than the reality. Um, and that goes for what we see in Capture One Pro as well. Um, the reality is probably somewhere between sort of simulate paper color and not simulating it. The other option here is simulate black ink. Um, that's actually what makes the biggest change. Um, I'm going to leave both of these on for now. When you have simulate color paper color turned on, it automatically does that. Now, we'll use this for now because this is how I want to show you this. Another thing to keep in mind is for photography, generally, you're going to want to use the perceptual rendering intent. And perceptual rend rendering, basically, as the software takes the image, the colors in your original image, and starts to remap them to the output profile, in this case, the printer profile, what it does is with perceptual, it will move all of the colors that are outside of the, the capabilities or outside of the gamut of the color space. And it will move them inside it to the closest, nearest sort of option, you know, the nearest color to that one. But it will also move the colors that are nearby it and, and keep the, the relationship between the colors. 
and um, kind of counterintuitive. The other one that you, we sometimes use in uh, photography is relative colorimetric. And this actually just m- only moves the colors that are outside of the gamut. And so it leaves all of the other colors in and breaks the relationship. So for photography, generally, we're going to want to use perceptual so that it moves everything and makes it look more pleasing to, our, to the eye. And then once we've done this, once we've set this up, hit OK. And then on your keyboard, you can do a Command Y to turn this on or off and get a, get a view of, of how that looks. Now, still at the moment, there are no gamut warnings. But if you do a Command Shift Y, now these are the gamut warnings. This is showing us the colors that are out of gamut. And this now gives us a way to edit these colors and actually just sort of, you know, try to bring them back into gamut if we want to before we print. Now, there are a number of ways of doing this. Again, we could go in and use a hue saturation smart filter. And to d- when we do that, of course, we can, uh, if we go up, we see more. If we go lower, we see, we see all of those gamut warnings disappear. But of course, we're also, we're doing this, we're making the monkey less saturated. And there are areas of this photo that we really don't want to, to desaturate. Now, because of that, what I would probably do, let's lose this. What I'm going to do is another thing is we can select these certain areas based on the color. Let's see, we've got the color range. We can select a certain color range using this option here. So select color range. And then in here, we're going to use the color picker and just go and click on the areas that we know are out of gamut and then adjust the fuzziness. So this is less. We want to get a a decent amount, but we don't want to see if we keep going. We start to get the monkey inside the color range here. So I'm going to go until the monkey is still a pretty much a, a silhouette. So around there. And then we can, with the black mat selected, this doesn't really matter, but I, I like to use the black mat. And then click OK. And then you'll see that we've got the majority of these areas that are out of gamut are now selected. So with that selected as it is, I'm actually going to duplicate the layer. Just make a copy of that background for now. That gives us options later. And then just turn that off for now. And I'm going to create a mask. And with that mask, what we can now do, I mean, we can actually turn the background on. And that way we can see the, the, the part of the, the monkey that's all okay. What we can now do is on this image, we're going to create a smart filter for the saturation again, but then take this mask and apply it to the smart filter. And that way we can now go in and reduce the saturation, but it will only affect the colors that are in, you know, in the mask. So I'm, 
I'm going to be totally honest with you. I've, I've got a, something that I, I will show, show you in a moment. But you see how different the colours are there. Um, yes, it's only affecting the certain colours. So, you know, the, the, it's, this is an option. This is something that we can do. You know, you can try changing the hue as well. And there's all sorts of things that you can do to try and make it look a little bit better. Um, you know, that's actually not too bad. But they're all these things are all taking you away from the original photograph. So these are options, though. So just stuff to keep in mind. We actually, we don't need this. We didn't use it. So let's get rid of that. And what you'd do is you'd save this. Um, before we actually do that, I'm going to turn off. So this is the original image. You'll see that the, the colors have changed a little bit. Um, you have to be careful that you don't introduce any nasty sort of chunky or, or steps, gradations and things around the, the areas that you've changed. But that's one way of modifying the image to a point where you could try printing that now. And I'm actually going to, what I'll do is I'll save that just so that we can keep it in... So that we can keep it in Capture One just for reference. But um, while that's working, we'll go back into Capture One. And what I'd like to just say is that although these images, um, some of them do have areas that are out of gamut, I'm actually finding these days that more and more often the best thing to do when an image is out of gamut is to just, you know, if, if your, your goal is to create a huge print that's going to cost a lot of money to print, then you don't want to be doing this. You, you don't want to just go straight for the huge print. Just get some smaller paper or, or just print. If you're working on a large format printer with a roll, uh, you know, roll paper, then just print it out as small as you can. Not too small because they, it, the, it, the images start to look a little bit dark when you go too small on them. But... Um, you know, I often just print out a smallish, I mean, to me, 18 by 24, um, that's one of, you know, 24 inch roll. That's a nice test print for me. Um, it might be a little bit too big for, for your liking, but I often do 18 by 24s as a test. And once you get to, to, you know, a point where you can see the physical print in front of you, what you often find is that these colors that are, we're, we're seeing looking a little bit muddy here, they're actually a lot closer. Uh, just press the P button again. They're actually a lot closer to the original image than you would think. Um, there are certain colors, greens is one, and you know very bright yellows, and certain colors don't print as easily as we'd hope. But the printers themselves are getting so much better these days that even though the colors are shown as being out of gamut, when you do your test print, they're actually a lot better than you would think. And to the human eye, it's sometimes difficult to even see that there was an issue. And because we print with the uh, perceptual rendering intent, it's the whole image is moved or the surrounding colors are moved in a similar way to maintain the relationship. And it really just doesn't look that bad. So a lot of the time, rather than going in and trying to change colors and make it uh, to bring, you know, to bring the image within gamut, I just print it 
And I, I often call it flying in the face of the gamut gods. And that's really what it is. Uh, the other option is, as I mentioned earlier briefly, what you can do is rather than trying to reduce the saturation to bring it into gamut, go the other way, increase it even more. And in an attempt to print the even more vibrant or more saturated color, the printer actually gets a, a little bit closer to what you have in your original print. So there's, there's a number of different ways to do this, but these really are the, are the tools available to us if you're working in Capture One. So remember, hit P, set it up. I, I like the new way of doing it, so you actually have a proofing view. Um, it used to annoy me a little bit in Capture One Pro 9 when I'd have a, a recipe selected and it would always be in proofing mode. Um, so now I like it that we have this option to just turn it on and off with a shortcut or with the icon up here. Um, but check it with that to see. But then really a lot of the time, print it and see. And if it if it looks good, you probably don't have a big issue anyway. Um, the other thing to mention here is that when if you're going to be outsourcing your printing, then once you get to a point where you, you know, you would obviously, you, what you need to do is to get the profile, the ICC profile from the people that are going to be doing the printing. Um, you'll generally, you'll select either gloss or MIDI, uh, gloss media or uh, matte media, uh, maybe satin, and they'll have a different profile usually for each finish. And just grab the profile from them and install it in your system. You, in, on a Mac, you put it in the color sync um, directory under the library. And you will, well, color sync profiles under library. And then what you'll do is you, you again, just create a, a, pro, a process recipe like this and select the uh, profile that you've got from the third-party printers in here. And then you will be able to see what it looks like you don't embed these print these profiles in your images. I keep this image, my base image here, uh, just as Capture One wants to use it. The only time that you use these profiles is when you actually print. And so even when you go to, say, the, the company um, that you, is going to do your printing wants a JPEG, then, you know, you, you've got, what you can do is you can actually embed Profoto, but they're not going to be able to, for their specific needs, they're not going to be able to use all of that information. So what I would, what they generally will want is Adobe RGB or sRGB. If you've got the option, then always go with Adobe RGB because as we saw, it's a larger color space. If they want sRGB, give them that but you only embed this in the JPEG that you export to send them to print, send for them to print. There's no point in keeping your images in these smaller color spaces because it removes the wiggle room for any editing that you want to do. Um, and also keep in mind, these, as we were looking at earlier in, in ColorThink Pro, yes, the, the displays will show you different color spaces. The printers, depending on what printer you're using, you'll get a different color space again. Your camera is generally capturing more images than all of these. And so whenever possible, use Profoto, the all-encompassing Profoto, to save and work on your images. Um, 
I always set this up in to show you this quickly. Under the color settings from the edit menu, I just select Profoto RGB as my working color space. I have it ask me when opening files or, or when pasting if what I want to do, but generally I always work in Profoto. And in Lightroom or Capture One Pro, then you are always using uh, with Lightroom, it's it's actually as a base uses a very similar profile to Profoto, and that should be good a good enough reason to even understand that this is something that we should be doing if Adobe are going to make that decision. Um, as I say in in Capture One Pro, let me show you here. If we go to the this tab here, you'll see that the cameras the image is being displayed with the the. Uh, Canon EOS 5DSR generic ICC profile. And you can change this to, you know, pretty much anything that you want. But automatically, if uh, Capture One Pro has a profile for your camera, that's what it will use. And so that's going to give you the most wiggle room for your camera and a, a really nice um, representation. You know, the, it, it does bring out a little bit more color and detail in the image as well. So you don't really need to change or think about that. Um, but only embed the profile in your exported JPEG if you've got specific instructions to do so. Um, for example, Moo.com, Moo the people that I have my um, business cards created with, they actually want you to embed the profile in the image that you export to send to them. If you've got instructions on that, that's fine. The majority of the time, you'll find that a third-party printer just wants sRGB or hopefully Adobe RGB. And if that's the case, use that um, and only embed it in the images that you export for printing. In your own work, you don't need to embed it. You don't even need to create a copy. You just keep your raw files. And in your raw files, you know, you're always going to just have the, the software manage that. And you don't even have to really think about what uh, profile you're using. You know, it really, it really does upset me to see people talking about, you know, restricting our images to a smaller color space just because the monitors that we are working in cannot display many more images at the, uh, many more colors at the moment. But as I mentioned, we've got to keep in mind that, you know, the, even just a few years ago, there was no it wasn't possible to display as many colors on my on my screen as I am now with the let's just get rid of a few of these so like i say you know that this wireframe here is my wide gamut BenQ display and even that compared to my iMac is very very different now and there's no telling what's going to be around the corner you know, within a, although uh, Profoto ha does have some colors that are even outside of the visual spectrum, it it has a lot of colors that are within it. So you know, it's quite possible that in a few years' time, we're going to end up with displays that are much closer to this than this. So for heavens forbid, please, if you bake anything into your for into your images, like when you create TIFFs after working in a plugin, for example. 
always use Profoto, always use 16-bit, whatever that, you know, if that becomes 32-bit or whatever down the road, use the biggest you've got. My my mum used to tell me, if you're going to have one, have a big one. And it's true, you, it, you future-proof yourself by using the widest possible gamut and the widest possible um, color space. And there really is no room. There's, there's no demerits to using Profoto. It's pretty much all of the pro- programs that we can use will support it. And why unnecessarily limit the wiggle room of your photos just because you can't see it on today's displays? You know, four years ago, Adobe RGB displays were so expensive, we could not, you know, no one could really afford them anyway. Now they've become so much more affordable and there's no telling what's going to be down the road in three, four, five, ten years' time. You know, so don't limit your your work to a smaller color space uh, when working with the larger color space is already very, very easy. So sRGB, it's only for the web at the moment, really, and some printing. Adobe RGB, yeah, one last thing. I, I wanted to, you know, some people say to me, yeah, but on the camera, we've got an option for sRGB or Adobe RGB. Forget that. That's all that is. It's just telling your cameras what to use uh, for the JPEGs. When you're using RAW, like like I've said, this is what my camera's recording now. And it's already much bigger than Adobe RGB in many areas. Yeah, there's areas that it doesn't use, but it's it's coming out of that in many. So... Yeah, don't restrict your images, and uh, I hope that this has been of some use and not confused you. Um, If it has, let me know, and I'll try and help as much as I can. So thank you very much for listening, and I'll be back again next week with another podcast. I've got a great interview coming up with David Dusherman. So I hope you enjoy that, and I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.